The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It is the innovation event, and in this half hour, we're going to be talking with some of the players in it. We're going to be talking about some of the folks who are doing uh, doing uh, the work that we are talking about, and one of them is, is this, uh, and I have a question for you, Chadville. Would you eat meat grown by scientists in a lab. Work is underway to do just that. In fact, it's happening right here in Edmonton. As we continue with the Innovation Hour, let's talk to the person behind it. Dr. Matt Anderson Barron is a University of Alberta grad and Avenue Magazine Top 40 Under 40 and co-founder and chief scientific officer of the Edmonton biotechnology company Future Fields. Dr. Anderson Barron, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. All right, I'm fascinated uh, about this, and I have been for years because a few a few years back, I got punked by a story that came out in the news about uh, laboratory-grown meat, and then we found out afterwards it wasn't true, but now this is becoming reality. Can you tell us how and, and why you started working on this? Yeah, so I mean, I, I uh, got in, involved in uh, in the industry of cellular agriculture and cultured meat production when I was a grad student. Um, at the time, I was just really excited about the idea of, of taking the, the skill set and the techniques that I learned in grad school and applying them to, uh, you know, a completely novel industry and, and creating something new. Um, but, you know, I've always been very, and I think most people in the industry are, are strongly motivated um, by the idea of reducing our reliance on uh, animals for, for food production and at least uh, making it into a more sustainable uh, production system. So that's interesting because I was going to ask you about that. You know, why do we need this? What what are those drivers? And and I guess, you know, I, I, I'm wondering about, you know, those folks out there who maybe don't want to eat meat, those who do but are, are you know, having some challenges with, you know, maybe the way that they get their meat. You know, can you expand on that and why you think that this would be something that the world needs? Yeah, so I mean, uh, cultured meat and lab-grown meat uh, is just kind of one solution to the problem. But the reality is, is meat consumption is still on the rise uh, globally, uh, mm-hmm. especially in uh, developing countries. Uh, and our population is, is rapidly increasing. Um, you know, we're projected to hit 10 billion by the year 2050. So uh, uh, a lot of people are predicting that at that point, the ability to produce enough meat for the population is it's we won't be able to meet that demand so there's a need to consider novel production forms and so uh producing it in laboratory conditions without the need for the animal is just one of those ways that we can do that so what do we call this meat <laughs> what do we call it um so so there's been multiple names that have kind of bounced around for a long time um you know for a while it was landed on cultured meat or cell-based meat, um, but the industry has landed now on cultivated meat. Cultivated meat. How do you yeah. get people to buy into cultivated meat, Matt? 
Uh, I think the main thing uh, and, you know, something that we've always uh, focused on is being uh, as open and transparent about the production process as possible. I think uh, anytime there's new technologies, especially when it comes to anything around food, uh, people are always a little bit apprehensive about it um, because it does seem a bit uh, science fiction-y. But I think once uh, people understand it and and see it and and can look at it, uh, it, it becomes more real and they'll warm up to it a bit. I mean, I think there's a lot of something that people don't realize is there's a lot of um, you know food products that are created in very similar ways. Uh, things like uh, beer and yogurt are mm. produced by culturing cells. So uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, what we're doing uh, with cultivated meat production is very similar. I understand that when you were wrapping up your PhD in 2019, you grew a 30-gram meat nugget. Yes, how, how, did, <laughs> how, how did you do that? How is that um, done? Yeah, so so the idea is you you can take cells from an animal um, and you can grow them outside of the animal in in a in a dish. Um, and in this case, uh, I had acquired some cells from a broiler chicken here in Alberta, uh, and I was growing them in a dish. And, and so those cells, because of their proliferative capacity, you can start with a very small amount of cells. And because they can can reproduce quite quickly, you can generate a lot of cells with a small amount of starting culture. Um, so with enough cells, you can create uh, you know a piece of tissue, which is essentially what meat is. Um, but typically, cells in culture only grow in two dimensions. So they're adherent; they need a surface to to grow on. Uh, so in order to get them to create in to, to grow in three dimensions, you need a three dimensional scaffold. So in this case, I created that um, from a decellular apple so these were chicken cells that were growing on uh, an apple scaffold uh, which created the three-dimensional structure of the product did you eat it <laughs> no I did not um, <laughs> why not for a, for a couple of reasons uh, at the time I was doing this uh, you know I was just kind of tinkering in, in my lab at the university and uh, there's definitely some rules around eating your experiments um, so so that was a big thing uh, so unfortunately I did not consume it but but other people have consumed uh, other cultivated meat products I mean it's it's happened you know many many times now all over the world so Matt, do we know what the cultivated meat products end up looking like, taste like, texture, that sort of thing? Is it com- comparable to, you know, a, a, a beef, you know, a hunk of beef, you know, off a cow? Yeah, ultimately these products will be identical to a conventional meat product in terms of taste, texture, appearance, and eventually cost. Um, so yeah, it's expensive right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the that's the main barrier to to commercialization is, is being able to produce a product that's at price parity with with tradi- traditional products. So uh, that's something that that we're we at Future Fields are working on. You know what, Matt? It must be fascinating when you have friends over and you're sitting around having dinner at the dinner table. I'd be amazed at, to be a fly on the wall and listen to the conversation. Do you get <laughs> questions all the time? Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a hot topic right now. People are always uh, fascinated by it. Um, but again, once you understand uh, the way the way it works, it's it's uh, it's a, a lot more simple, that I think, than, than most people would would realize. So right now, um, you've kind of shifted um, your direction a little bit, not necessarily growing meat, but, um, you know, focusing more into uh, how the meat is grown and um, the, I don't know, uh, the 
uh, the, the liquid that it needs to be grown in. Can you tell us about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our, there's been a need in the industry to uh, have uh, an option for a cheaper, uh, cost-effective and scalable growth media. So this is essentially, uh, you can think of it like the feed for the cells. It's it's what the cells need to to grow and reproduce and, and um, you know, ultimately be used to create the product. Um, and I mean, there's been growth media available for decades now, but it's been geared towards, uh, you know, pharma industries, biomedical research. So because of that, uh, those products are extremely expensive. And for cultivated meat production, there's a need for growth media at unprecedented scale and cost. Uh, so because of that, we need something that's quite a bit different in cost. Uh, so we developed a technology that allows us to, to make growth media for cells at, uh, you know, a thousand times cheaper than what's currently available. So we're currently, we've, we've pivoted to, to providing this technology to the customer-facing companies that are going to be producing the cultivated meat products. Before I let you go, um, I think it's interesting. There's kind of a couple of different narratives when it comes to, you know, the long-term benefits or um, impacts of doing this. Um, you know, you talk about uh, environmental impacts, uh, animal welfare, uh, food security and food safety, which is, you know, is really huge as well. But I understand that there's been some other studies, and I think it was done out of uh, Oxford University, that was questioning the amount of carbon dioxide we know that animals can um you know you know the greenhouse gas emissions methane and carbon dioxide is is you know talked about when it comes to doing lab produced meat can you can you touch on that a little bit and the concerns around that and how we work towards changing that yeah um there's been a few studies that that have looked at uh how cultivated meat production will compare to to traditional animal agriculture. And of course, this is all theoretical until we are doing it at scale. Um, you know, we only know so much about about what we're doing at, at the scale that we're at now, but it's drastically going to change when we're producing consumer products. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, if we can if we can utilize the, the technology that we have now, um, it, it's very likely we'll be able to, to reduce GHG emissions substantially with cultivated meat production relative to traditional animal agriculture, especially if we rely on on more sustainable sources of energy to produce uh, for for, um, supporting these, these facilities. Before I let you go, because I, I got to get on to my next interview here, and I, I think I could probably talk to you about this all afternoon, to be honest with you. I find it fascinating. But um, you talk about, you know, when we're doing it at scale. When do you think that might be? Yeah, so a lot of the companies that we're speaking to uh, are anticipating having some niche products out within the next 18 months or so. Uh, unfortunately, none of those are in Canada. This is, you know, more in the Asia-Pacific region and, and yeah. some in the, in the United States. But you'll, I think you'll start to see some products being rolled out in, in 18 to 24 months. Um, but ultimately, I don't think you'll be able to see any products on the grocery store shelves for at least another four, maybe five years. Um, but, you know, it, it's a stepwise progression. It's not just going to go from being unavailable to being available everywhere. It'll be, you know, slowly integrated into our food supply chain uh, as, as we get better at doing what we do. And you're, and you're going to eat it no problem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
can't wait. Oh, you know what? I, I am uh, I, I'm looking, well, I, I think I'm looking forward. I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you, but I want to thank you for the insight onto this, and uh, I look forward to following your work and uh, how this develops over the years to come. Dr. Matt anderson Barron joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, and you can find out more about uh, Dr. anderson Barron, who is the co-founder and chief scientific, scientific officer at Future Fields in the article on the future of lab-grown meat in this month's Avenue magazine. Uh, important to know, and we know this, that uh, the Alberta beef industry, huge in, in this province, alone generates approximately $18 billion in total economic activity and creates 60,000 direct and indirect jobs with farms and suppliers across Canada. On top of that, the Alberta poultry, egg, dairy industry, huge as well. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the years to come.